0: Hello, everyone. Matt Clark, research analyst with Money and Markets, here with your weekend edition of the Bull of the Bear podcast. Now, again, we love to love that you guys uh, listen to the podcast and to all of our other video content uh, each and every week. We we, we work very hard to. Uh, make sure we're giving you safe and sound, profitable investment information in in every means possible. But I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you to make sure you go to moneymarkets.com every day because that's where that's kind of the hub. That's that that's the heart there, and that's that's where it all starts. That's where you know Adam and Charles and myself. That's where we, we post content daily uh, in 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 various formats to make sure that we are helping you. Uh, build up your portfolio. So we, we try to provide that information with you, whether it's trending information, whether it's stock, individual stock information, whatever that happens to be, uh, we try to provide that to you and, uh, to, to help bolster your portfolio. So head over to moneymarkets.com. Uh, and while you're there, sign up for our free daily e-letter. We, we put out an e-letter uh, each and every day, uh, including the weekends and even including on, on most holidays. Uh, and, and our intent there is to make sure that we deliver that to you in your inbox, in your email for free, each and every day. So go over moneyMarcuscom MoneyMarkets.com and uh, sign up for uh, for our uh, our free daily e-letter and, and get all that great information uh, loaded to you. Now, to start off today, uh, I'm going to actually kick things off in terms of uh, bringing you, uh, Adam, Charles, and I each are bringing you uh, a credible buy. Uh, so three buy recommendations for you today as we do each and every weekend now. Uh, and I'm going to start things off this time around, not, not because of any other importance or anything like that, but just because Charles went first once, Adam went first once, so now it's my turn. So um, and and you know I, I preface it all by saying you know it, it is tech because I am a tech geek um, I love smart tech uh, I, I I love the the investment potential with smart tech I think it's it's a it's a a, a boom it, it's an, uh, there's an upcoming boom coming with smart tech if it's not already starting. Um, And and today I'm going to focus a little bit, kind of what I did last week on a semiconductor play. Uh, In the world of semiconductors, you have to understand that there's a lot of emphasis, especially with investors, on basically just the companies that actually produce the product. You've heard of Taiwan Semiconductors. You've heard of Qualcomm. You've heard of, you know, all these, uh, you know, Intel, all these companies that produce these chips. But what investors often overlook are, are the companies that are supplying the necessary material and equipment to manufacture those semiconductors because without them companies like Taiwan Semiconductors, Qualcomm, and all these others don't have a product to make. They, they, they can't work in their foundry to build these chips for whatever means they're being used for. Uh, and, and there's a lot of competition between these pick and shovel companies that provide uh, this equipment or these materials, um, but I've actually found one that is on a really solid path to success, I think, and it's really thanks in part to the trade war that's kind of underneath the surface between the U.S. and China. there's a lot of talk last year about the trade war and, and tariffs and things like that. Well, the trade war might have been resolved with a, a phase one agreement, but it's, long, it, its tentacles are much more broad than that. And it, and it goes beyond just what might be written on paper. Now, in China... Uh, you have to understand that companies there are are heavily regulated on what they can and can't do. The Chinese government kind of keeps their thumb on most companies and and tells them, okay, you will do this and you won't do that. It doesn't really, it it doesn't necessarily, there aren't decisions to impact profitability because Chinese companies tend to be very profitable. Look at Alibaba, look at Tencent. Um, You know, these are companies that have to work under the, under the direction of the Chinese government, but they're still very popular. Um, But these directions also include who they can and they can't do business with. And China is one of the biggest suppliers of semiconductors in the world. Um, You don't hear a lot about those companies because they're not necessarily public in the U.S. market, but a lot of semiconductor production is done in China. And recently, the Chinese government, in in response to these trade issues with the U.S., barred several of their semiconductor companies from purchasing goods and services from companies in the U.S. Uh, It effectively cut Chinese semiconductor companies from buying any equipment or parts or anything that they may need to produce semiconductors from the U.S., uh, and the u s is a big uh, a, a big supplier of the secondary products that are used to build semiconductors. And the company I found can parlay that into huge growth over the next several years, and i 'm going to tell you why. Uh, now remember, I said that the semiconductor industry, when it comes to investors, uh, goes well beyond just the producers of the chips that allow our smart machines to operate um, there 's a lot that goes into the production of these chips; they have to be precise down to the millimeter even smaller. We're talking about very, very small components to fit in your smartphone. You can't have a big microchip like this to fit in your iPhone, or in Charles's case, his Samsung. Um, These semiconductors have got to be very small, but they have to be very precise in order to work to not only fit, but to work. And there's a lot that goes into that. Uh, You know, and because these chips are manufactured on a production line, if you have one measurement off, even by a millimeter, the entire line is tossed out and it has to be recalibrated translating into millions of dollars of losses for k- semiconductor companies. So semiconductor companies turn to experts in what's called metrology. This is the, basically the study of measurement. Uh, and, and these metrology companies help ensure that chips are being built exactly to the specification of the end customer, like an Apple um, or a Samsung, or things that like they have a very specific set of specs that these, that these chips have to conform to in order to fit into a phone or fit into a tablet or to a laptop or whatever. Uh, and there's a lot of company, top companies that develop and manufacture metrology instruments. The problem is for China is there, a lot of them are based in the U.S. Um, so you can see the problem that China's uh, essential ban on dealing with U.S. companies can have on the semiconductor players and producers in China. But NOVA Measuring Instruments Limited, it trades on the NASDAQ, the ticker is NVMI, gets around all that. It's a company that's based in Israel, and it specializes in developing and producing and selling equipment used for precise measurement, specifically for the semiconductor industry. Now, the company's seen strong growth in its revenue since 2016. The company grew its revenue from about 163.9 million in 2016 to 251.1 million in 2018. Now, in 2019, the company had a bit of a drop off in 20, uh, to about 224.9 million. or 24.9 million. But the projections for the future are really sound. Uh, Nova capped off a strong 2020 with a fourth quarter revenue uh, of 76.3 million. That's an 18% increase year over year. Uh, And it beat Wall Street expectations by a whopping $6.4 million. That's in a quarter. The 2020 yearly revenue was $269.4 million. That beat 2029 by a pretty good margin. And between 2029 and 2022, The company's total revenue is expected to jump more than 55% to $348.8 million. Nova's earnings are also on the rise. In the fourth quarter of 2020, the company reported an earnings beat of $0.05 per share, uh, which is pretty remarkable. What's even more impressive is the anticipation of yearly diluted earnings to jump more than 221% from 2019's $1.23 per share to $3.95 per share in 2023. As for Nova's stock price, it's been trending in the right direction for quite a while now. It hit a bottom of around $26 per share in March during the coronavirus crash, but it's jumped to a new 52-week high of $86 this week, which is a 221.4% bump in its share price. In the last 12 months, the stock has gained about 122%. The broader semiconductor equipment industry, only about 93%. Nova's stock price has seen some mild dips, uh, but those have been very short-lived as the stock continues to press on new highs. Now, Adam's six-factor green zone rank system adds an even more impressive chapter to this company. Uh, Nova ranks a 97 overall. That means we're strong bullish on the stock. We expect it to outperform the broader market three times at least over the next 12 months. It also means that only 3% of other stocks that we rate, and it's a big basket, are actually higher. Uh, Its strong overall rank is bolstered uh, by a 97 on quality. Uh, Nova's return on investments, assets, and equity are all at or near double digits and much better than the overall uh, semiconductor equipment and services industry. Uh, The company has a gross margin of nearly 60% and a net margin close to 20%. Uh, It ranks high on momentum and volatility, where it ranks a 90 on both metrics. Uh, It's got a $2.32 billion market cap, which makes it a good-sized company. Uh, Its one-year annual sales growth rate is nearly 20%. And it, and that puts it in good standing on our growth metric. Uh, its sales have actually beaten Wall Street expectations in each of the last five quarters. Um, so overall, with Chinese companies forced to look beyond the U.S. for services provided by companies like Nova, you can expect Nova uh, to really experience solid future growth. But now's the time to really get into Nova. Measuring Investments Limited trades on the tech, on the Nasdaq under NVMI. Uh, as a good play on the future growth of the semiconductor sector, so that's uh, that, that's the pick I bring. Nova Nova Measuring Instruments Limited (NVMI). Uh, I'm going to throw things over now to uh, uh, Green Zone Fortune's co-editor uh, Charles Sizemore. Charles, you know it's a it's a, picture, a picturesque view there in uh, Peru uh, that you have there. I know you're going to be coming back to the states here soon, but uh, uh, you've had you have I, all that. I may not. I may just
1: <laughs> decide to stay forever.
0: You have that, that, that nice, opulent view there. So uh, that to me, that tells me that should resonate a very solid pick this week.
1: Well, just to, to put it in context, the Pacific Ocean is that way, and the Andes Mountains are that way. And I have a nice view of both from uh, this particular rooftop. Um, I don't know if that's relevant at all, but it, it just I just kind of felt like bragging about that. So, uh, <laughs> As well, you should. Now, uh, <laughs> now on to business. So, uh, a, a theme we've been writing about in, 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 um, in Green Zone Fortunes for a while, and also in Money and Markets, has been this uh, boom in infrastructure spending, this, this idea of building back better. Uh, to kind of put that in context, the original New Deal there were something like 40,000 new buildings built under uh, the New Deal's uh, uh, guidance is probably the wrong word, but uh, funding, we'll call it. And something like 85,000 buildings were refurbished or improved uh, under New Deal programs. Untold thousands of miles of roads were built uh, even in my own uh, neighborhood in Dallas, there's a there's a lake not far from my house. If you if you jog around the lake, there's all sorts of little constructions along it: bathhouses, uh, pumping stations, whatnot, all in 1930s style of architecture, and all were built under. You know, under New Deal uh, related programs, at, at its peak, the New Deal, yeah, it, it yeah, uh, I want don't remember the exact number, but it was multiple millions of Americans were were employed by various agencies. Now we're not, you know, we're not looking at a a new New Deal per se. Um, our, our, today, the government is too divided and doesn't really have the. Um, the drive for something quite that big, but with the economy still broken as it is, and and, and even though things have massively improved over the last six months, the depths of the recession were so bad uh, in in the first and second quarter of, of, of last year that even after the massive improvements we've had, we've only recovered to the point where we're roughly not far from the bottom of 2008 in terms of total contraction. Two thousand and eight, and you know, think about that, so uh, it took us years to recover from two thousand and eight if we ever actually recovered i that's, that 's actually an open question and there 's this, there's this kind of consensus building that what we did last time really didn 't work that well it 's time for something else. Um, I think we're going to go back in time here, and we're going to take some pages out of the New Deal. Now, a lot of that is specifically green initiatives, but a lot of it won't be. A lot of it's just going to be good old-fashioned infrastructure, roads, buildings, bridges, whatever, you name it. Uh, there's also, there's, 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 wow, I am stuttering and stammering today. There are also other issues as well. There's been uh, a lot of property damage uh, over the last several months, particularly my native Texas. Uh, the ice storm really did a number. Uh, beyond that, there's also been sort of a dearth of new home construction over the last decade at a time when the millennials have finally grown up. I mean, people still associate the millennials as being a bunch of you know, Starbucks baristas you know, living in their mom's basement. Typical millennials in their 30s now and married and trying to start a family so there's a lot of demand for housing that has really not been met it's one of the reasons house prices have have house prices have really uh skyrocketed over over recent years so with all that as 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 background we're going to continue the theme of you know infrastructure investing you know being part of that trend and so my pick for uh for this week is united states lime and minerals now most people have no idea what lime is i think it's something you squeeze in your corona you know i'm at the beach i, I have corona on, on the on, on the brain right now but no the uh you know, lime is a very uh, important material used in road construction it's also used in in various aspects of building particularly in in composite uh, roofing uh, it's it's just a very big part of that uh, U.S. Uh, U.S. Lime here is is a major player in that, and it's specialized. You know, they don't really do anything other than lime and lime products. So, if you want a niche targeted play on an, a critical ingredient for any type of infrastructure spending that's likely to come down the pipeline, again, roads, dams, whatever you know, anything, anything you can imagine that will be built, chances are it will. You know, lime will be part of that. This is a nice pure play to take advantage of that. Now, as you can imagine, it, it rates very highly uh, based on Adam's Green Zone rating model. It rates overall a 99, which is not just strong bullish; that's uber strong bullish. That's you know top one percent of all stocks. Now, where it gets a little bit interesting is uh, kind of where you know what drives those returns. So, you know, drilling down, it rates highest on quality with a 97. Now, our quality rating sounds. You know, if, you, if you're not familiar with our methodology, it could sound subjective. You know, how do you define a high-quality stock? Well, we, we define it numerically. We, we use math here. We, we define it with various measures of balance balance sheet strength. We define it with uh, various measures of profitability, for example. So, um, this this company rates very well in all its all its you know. All of its, you know Return on, you know, return on investment, return on equity, return on assets. Uh, it rates very highly across across the board. There, all 80s and 90s uh, balance sheet is also very strong, which is somewhat um, uncommon for you know gritty industrial companies. This this company has a balance sheet that almost looks more like a tech stock, in that it has no debt and actually has pretty good um, asset turnover. So uh, overall, you know, very very strong on quality. Uh, also, again, surprisingly, it rates very high on volatility. And if you look at a longer-term stock chart here, um, you see that the, the share price just sort of chugging up. You know, just with that, with very few dips, it's just a, a nice steady, um, nice steady uptrend. Well, what's happened is, you know, post two, you know post two thousand. Sorry, wow, post two thousand twenty uh, COVID meltdown. the trajectory has changed. It's really shot up like a rocket. So historically, this has been a low volatility stock, rating of 96, but uh, lately it's had uh, what I would call the right kind of volatility. It's been shooting higher based on expectations of infrastructure spending. I expect that to continue. Uh, Moving on, size. A lot of the the stocks we recommend, um, just because you know the way what's been working in the market they, they tend to be larger companies this is actually a smaller company it rates uh, 92 on our size metric 92 you know a higher number means a smaller company one that's more likely to benefit from uh, the small cap effect you know, small caps traditionally outperform large caps uh, there is one word of warning i would give here this is not a very large stock it's an 800 million dollar market cap so it's not tiny but in terms of shares traded on a daily basis, it's pretty thinly traded. So do be careful on this, use a limit order. Don't, you know, don't be a hero and place some multi-thousand share order with a market order. You may not get filled at a good price. Uh, particularly if you get out of the stock, make sure you use a limit order or break up your order into smaller pieces. Um, I like small caps, I think there's opportunities in them, but sometimes you do have to be careful. Uh, moving on, it rates well based on momentum. Again, that's not surprising. If you look at the longer-term stock chart, it's it's a nice-looking chart. It had a really nice stable uptrend that has since accelerated higher. That's that's a very very positive. Um, that's a very good-looking chart. Um, where it does rate somewhat low is on growth and on value at fifty-nine and fifty-seven, respectively. Uh, where I would where I would comment on that is these are, of course, back- backward-looking metrics growth has been pretty muted in the construction space over the last 10 years it's been a pretty rough year a rough de- decade really for um, anything commodity or basic materials oriented so it's not at all strange that uh, the growth metrics look a little bit bad you know looking backwards. I'm looking forwards here and expect that uh, this will be, you know, the growth will massively pick up due to new infrastructure spending. Uh, value as well, you know, how do you measure value? Well, it's price compared to sales, price compared to earnings, price compared to cash flows. All of those metrics are also backward looking and haven't been particularly attractive over the last several years. They've been sort of middle of the road, but again, looking forward here, I think that is likely to accelerate to the upside. So overall, if you believe our, our basic thesis that, look, infrastructure spending is happening. It's one of the few things on this planet that the left and the right can agree on, that infrastructure spending is good, it's popular with voters, um, you know, it creates the foundations for economic growth of the future. Um, there's just, there's general consensus that this is a positive thing that we want, where the two parties tend to disagree is simply on the magnitude and perhaps where the money is spent. But those are details. Uh, this is happening. If you want to be part of this trend, investing in a a lime company like uh, U.S. Lime and Minerals is a good way to play that.
0: And just uh, just to let everyone know, uh, U.S. Lime and Minerals trades on the market under USLM. Uh, and and also, I whenever you were talking about this, the first thing that uh, the first image that conjured up is uh, if you live in a in a smaller town or a smaller community and you go to your courthouse for example uh, a lot of the of those courthouses that you go to unless they were built of of pure stone were built from limestone just to put that all in perspective for you is that that a lot of courthouses were built in with limestone so that your your courthouse if you go down to your local courthouse odds are limestone is what was used to build it so just if you're not familiar with limestone and how it has been used before and how it can be used that's just one of the uh, that just was a, an image that came to mind so it didn't mean to stick your thumb but that's uh, USLM US lime and minerals
1: well no and about that a ton of courthouses and 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 government buildings were thrown up during the new deal and it's you know that that actually kind of further's the theme i was um i was going with yeah
0: um, so very good. Uh, USLM uh, for Charles. Now we'll turn things over to uh, Green Zone Fortunes founder and Chief Investment Strategist for Money Markets, Adam O'Dell. Adam, first off, thanks for coming. Thanks for joining us. Um, what, uh, w- what stock have you, uh, have you dug into this week?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited about this week's stock. Uh, it's a little bit of a departure from what I've been talking about in recent weeks. I was kind of uh, digging into the energy sector. Still, still super bullish on the energy sector, um, even through the weakness of the market recently. Energy stocks and energy sector ETFs have done really, really well. So continue to kind of beat the drum about that. I just put out an, uh, an article on money and markets about the opportunity in commodities, how they're dirt cheap right now, and how the valuations relative to stocks have never been cheaper. Um, so we're seeing that in the energy sector as well. So we're, we're looking at a number of energy sector plays, but uh, this week I'm looking at something a little bit different. Um, I'm a tactical investor, which means I, you know, as a trend and momentum bent investor. I go where the trends are. I go where the market media momentum is. I'm not really dogmatic. I'm not really overly, I'll say strategic in the sense that I'm not trying to make uh, long-term strategic bets on which sectors I think are going to outperform. Um, but if I was to make a, a, a strategic bet, and if you ask me, well, what three sectors or what three industry groups or what three product mixes uh, would you be most interested in owning for the long haul and not tactically trading, but owning for the long haul, I would say uh, technology healthcare and uh, data. So technology, I have to explain that a little bit. I'm not just talking about a certain uh, vertical of technology. I'm talking about any company that uses uh, some type of a proprietary or innovative technology. I mean, if you think about technology, technology ju- technology is just innovation. So to think that, you know, I'm gonna bet against innovation or I'm gonna avoid betting on innovation, seems kind of silly. I mean, as the world and uh, science and, and technology progresses, that's, that's technology. Um, healthcare, I mean, healthcare is so integral to our daily lives. I mean, we, we, we want to be healthy. We want to live long lives. We want to live quality lives. So the healthcare industry, while it used to just be kind of a, a middle-of-the-road, um, you know, kind of low beta play, uh, we're seeing a lot of really strong growth rates and a lot of good innovation in healthcare. And then finally, data. I mean, data is certainly the future of competitive advantage among uh, investors and also b- businesses, corporations across the globe. Uh, you know, there's really two ways to gain a competitive advantage related to information, and that's either to A, have proprietary information that other folks don't have, or B, to have superior analytics on the data that is available. So, um, you know, I, I kind of give that as my as my setup because my pick today is a company that is kind of has its hand, it kind of spans those three areas. It's a technology company that's integrated into the global healthcare industry, And it has as one of its biggest assets, I believe, um, a proprietary data set on the, uh, basically the biometric and health data of millions of Chinese uh, citizens. And so the company is basically, um, I'm surprised, I joked with Matt earlier this week, I said I'm surprised he didn't pick off the stock when he saw it on our green zone um, top 10 list, which I'll explain in a moment. But um, I'm surprised he didn't pick it off because he's always showing off his smartwatch. Uh, I don't have a smartwatch. I'm obsessed with uh, stock market data enough. I figured if I ever wore one of those things, I would, uh, I would never see my wife. So I'd be too uh, into analyzing my own self. So I, I stay away, but I certainly see that. I mean, if you look at the biometric, the global biometrics market, it's worth around 20 billion this year, um, and it's set to grow to about 55 billion by, I think, 2027, 2026. So you're talking about five, six years out um, and nearly tripling of the size of the biometrics market. Uh, so that's just huge growth. Anytime you can invest in a company that specializes and is a market leader in one of the highest growth uh, industries, talking about an industry that's going to triple, um, you're, you're certainly putting the wind uh, behind your sails. So the company, I have to explain this a bit. Um, the company has previously been called Huami, H-U-A-M-I. And I say previously, I mean that as of uh, last night, the, the night before we're actually recording this video, I came in, you know, I got up this morning and and pulled up my charts on TradeStation and typed in the symbol for Huami, and I got a big error message saying this is the wrong symbol, and I knew I I didn't have the symbol wrong. So I scanned the news, and basically this company has just announced literally today a name change. They're now changing from Huami, which just may sound xenophobic, but they even said it in a press release that it's certainly a very uh, Chinese-sounding name and may not uh, attract the most uh, broad uh, investor base across the world. Uh, they're changing it to something that that spans or transcends cultural and and language barriers is what they said and they're changing their name name to zep health z-e-p-p health and the ticker symbol uh, was previously h-m-i no longer trades under that Um, you can trade this stock on the new york stock exchange under the ticker symbol zep z-e-p-p so that's a new uh, name and new ticker symbol and they really wanted to make it known that they're they're a healthcare company okay so they're not necessarily a technology company uh, just about smartwatches that we can grab your text or grab your phone calls. They are a biometrics company that's building a huge proprietary database of biometric data on millions of Chinese consumers. And I think that that's one of their biggest assets to have, uh, to have data that can be bought by an insurance company or that can be bought by a healthcare provider or that can be bought by the government, maybe even. Um, you know, that is a huge asset. And if, if they have the data and no one else has the data, and they're at a huge advantage to, to um, command a premium for that. So this is a small stock. This is a uh, $440 million um, market cap stock. So uh, just to give you, you, know, that gives it a rating of 94 on the size factor of the green zone stock rating model. So it's one of the smallest stocks that we would look at. Um, it's only traded on the, on the stock market since about early 2018. So if you, if you pull up a, a stock chart of Zep, ZEPP, you're gonna see a really kind of messy, sideways, choppy action. And um, you know, I wouldn't be scared off by that. I recommended the stock um, about a year ago in Green Zone Fortunes. They had a very similar stock pattern. It was a new company, only three years of trading, it had a very messy stock ch- uh, pattern. And that stock's gone up you know 300% now. So you can't be scared off by the chart pattern on a new company like this. Um, beyond being a small company, which makes it a good buyout target, and it also gives it access to that, that small cap outperformance effect. It's also a relatively low volatility stock. Um, even though it's chopped around sideways, it's, it's not too volatile in its daily motion. Um, it scores highly on growth. Uh, this is We're talking double-digit sales and earnings growth. And it rates high on quality and, and even mediocre on value as well. So, again, the, the pick is Zep Health Z-E-P-P basically a manufacturer of smartwatches, but it's not just the the plastic and the, exactly, it's not just the plastic and the screen and the chip in it. Their their main assets are the uh, artificial intelligence algorithms that they've built, um, the proprietary data set, and uh, they're really, I think they're looking at the, the long view and figuring out how to build a healthcare company that's tapped into the healthcare metrics and data of their population there in China. And uh, I think that they're going to they're turn that into a treasure trove of, uh, of revenue down the road. So it's a little bit of a speculative long-term play, but I think it's in, the, it's in a perfect spot for the growth of the, of the biometrics market. And uh, so that's my pick this week, Zep Health Z-E-P-P.
0: And I'm not going to lie. I, I looked at it. I looked at HMI when I saw it, hmm. and I, I, I researched it. I don't really know. I don't really have a rationale for why I didn't go with it. Um, other than I just, I wanted to leave it for you to give you one to, oh, pick. Okay. <laughs> I, I can't back that up, but uh, well, I'm gonna go with that just so I feel better about myself. Well, while
2: we're there, let's explain to listeners what, what this is what we're talking about. Uh, each week, you know, Matt, uh, I built this this uh, stock ranking model and it scans 8,000 stocks. And go to moneyandmarkets.com uh, website. You can type in at the top right corner, type in any ticker symbol and it'll spit out the numbers that we're talking about here so you can fact check what we're talking about or if you have a stock that we haven't talked about you're interested in seeing how it scores on our model look it up Uh, but what we found is that you know not many of our users are going to want to sift through 8,000 stocks or you know hunt and peck for each of the stocks that are on the top of their mind so what we've done in in our green zone fortunes um service which uh, is a paid service you have to pay for it but it's a very nominal very low uh, cost per year uh fee to join that service um, not only do you get um, one actionable recommendation a month from Charles and I of one of our highest conviction plays that we put in our high conviction portfolio, but every single week you get what's called our top 10 list. And I have to give kudos to, to Matt because I built the model, but every single week he does the, the grunt work, so to speak, of, of running our stands and putting that list together and fact checking and making sure it's good so that every single Wednesday when we send an email to our Green Zone Fortunes readers, they get a top 10 list It gives the ticker symbol, the name of the company, the market cap size, and the, um, the volatility, the average range of the stock. So you can figure out whether it's a low or high volatile stock, and then the green zone stock rating uh, for that, the, those 10 picks. And uh, we've gotten a ton of good feedback from that because what that basically allows you to do if you're a self-directed investor is rather than looking at 8,000 stocks or hunting and pecking for your favorite ones, each week you can look at one list of 10 stocks And see for yourself if there are any stocks in that list um, that meet your criteria. Um, The the way that that list is uh, formulated is that we, I basically, Matt and I collect all of the buy signals from my Home Run Profits service, which is a momentum service. And of those buy signals for that previous week, we run it through the stock rating model and we give you the top 10 uh, scored picks. So these are basically not only short-term advantageous based on momentum and trend on an algorithm I've used for a decade now, but they're also long-term advantageous because they've they rated highly on those six factors. So we give that away basically as complimentary a feature of the green zone fortune service every single week, uh, 10 picks a week. And last time we had that list um, that audited, uh, those picks are basically beating the market, the S&P 500, uh, three to one. So it's a really easy way to position yourself in, in market-beating stocks. Uh, if you want to add one or two or three each week or whatever your, your routine is, but just want to throw that out there because we talk about it some, but I don't think we've given viewers a good idea of what that actually is. So uh, Green Zone Fortunes is where you can get access to that. I'm sure that Matt will include a link in the show notes.
0: Absolutely. And you touched on uh, you know, the uh, Green Zone Ranks uh, model, the, the system. Uh, again, that is found easily on moneyandmarkets.com. If, you look, uh, if you're on the homepage of the website, if you have a ticker in mind, you can even type in the company name, uh, but if you have the ticker, that's even better. Uh, then you type in that ticker symbol in the upper right-hand corner there, and then, it, boom, it'll instantly bring up uh, you know, the ranking system, how it's broken down, kind of the takeaways from it, and then it also gives other information on there. You'll see the stock chart. Uh, you'll see some other data points on there in terms of related to the company, more of the fundamentals, and, and also a description of what that company is. Any stories that we've written about it below uh, are, are there as well, so it's kind of a one-stop shop for you uh, if you're looking for information, say, on Google, G-O-O-L-G, um, you you can type that in, uh, and then it'll bring up Google. You'll bring up Alphabet Incorporated, uh, and it'll tell you what the green what what the green zone rank is, and then it'll break down by each one of those six factors what that means. Any takeaways from those ranks that you'll see, uh, and then you'll see uh, you know the stock chart, uh, the fundamentals as well as a brief description of what Alphabet is in case you don't know what Alphabet is, which I'm sure most everyone does. So, um, you know, a lot of great tools there that you can see both on MoneyMarkets.com and also with Green Zone Fortunes with uh, Adam and Charles both uh, both there. And uh, I encourage you highly to go and, and check those out. So. Uh, with that, I'm going to close things up. Uh, appreciate the time of uh, uh, Green Zone Fortunes co-editor Charles Sizemore and uh, Chief Investment Strategist Adam O'Dell. Uh, I am Matt Clark, Research Analyst for Money and Markets uh, and host of the Bull and the Bear podcast as well as the Marijuana Market Update and the week ahead. And until next time, everyone, hope you all have safe trade. You've been listening to the Bull and the Bear, a Money and Markets podcast. Tune in each week to hear insights on how to make investing safe and profitable for you.